welcome to the fifth episode of Flyby Films. Yes, I think we've made it to episode five already. That's pretty incredible. Ah, well, I'm glad you're listening, and my name is Jameson Barsodi, and this is a slightly different voice than normally opens our podcasts, but that's because my friend Blake Collier has uh, quietly quit this podcast, and he's taken his family with him to I don't know where. Uh, No. I'm just kidding. Uh, the desert. <laughs> the desert. The desert. No, Blake is right here with me. He He's not quietly quitting the podcast, so no need to worry about that. No, I never would quietly quit. If I quit, it's going to be loud and boisterous. <laughs> I do think, although if we're going by the real definition of quiet quitting, I think we started this podcast by quiet quitting it because it just means low effort, which is our whole podcast philosophy yeah. <laughs> philosophy so well uh, but but didn't you try to explain to me that quiet quitting is actually just doing 100 percent? sure sure 150 so yeah. we're actually putting in normal amounts of effort okay for the job yeah well if the job is low effort then yeah i'm all for doing 100 percent of low effort hey me too yeah so how are you, Blake? I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> I yeah, I'm good. Uh, it was a it was a short week at work. Got one more day. Nice. Because as our listeners know, this is a Thursday night. We always record well, always, always being a relative term. Record on Thursday night. Remember that. Yeah, there will be a quiz eventually. Uh, and the listeners who get the most points will get a lot of freebies. Um, yeah, we don't know what of, but freebies. Yeah. So you had a short work at week, short week at work. Um, did you, that's because of the holiday Labor Day. What did you do on Labor Day? What did I do on Labor Day? Let's see. What did I do? Um, I went to the coffee shop for the morning and wrote because that's what I do in my free time. And then I came home and uh, took care of my son and hung out with my wife. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Very low key. Exciting. Yeah. That. I mean, that's better than me. I worked that day. And not yeah. and not because I don't yeah, it was real yeah, sad. not because I don't get holidays off, because I literally forgot to ask for it off. I just didn't think that Labor Day was a thing that happened anymore. I was like, Oh, didn't we already have that well, I didn't. last year? I mean, I most people don't even know what Labor Day is about, so it might as well not be a holiday. This yeah, this is true. You are you are you telling me it's not about like grilling hot dogs and I'm telling you it's about going into labor. Oh, it's a, it's it's a holiday for women. Yes. And only women. Yes. That's what I told my wife yeah. who is uh entering the third trimester right now. So uh her, oh, her man. God, 
It's getting so close. Yeah, her Labor Day is coming up. Um, so many things to tell you, Jameson. So many things. <laughs> I know everyone keeps saying that, <laughs> but I just kind of feel like I don't know anything going into this. But uh, yeah, get used to it. <laughs> this is this is what I've heard. You just don't know. Yep. Which okay, fine. I, I guess that's easy for me because that doesn't mean that means I just don't have to do anything right now. I'll I'll learn on the fly. So I'm oh, it's, it's great with that. No matter I read I read bits and pieces of books and still didn't prepare me. Those nope. those bits and pieces that's didn't prepare you. I mean it's not like I can sit down and just read a whole book on parenting. I mean come on. Yeah, no. No one does I'm that. not you know who does that? My wife does that, and she gives me the books. My wife does, too. And she says, read them. And then I start, and I'm like, okay, what what parts of this book do you want me to read? And that's what I literally said to her. And she like looked at me quizzically and was like, what? I just, I want you to read it. And I was like, I don't think I have the energy. I don't know. I mean... I don't know what it is. I just feel like it takes a superpower to read these these books. But uh, yeah, I mean, I do think my wife has has a yeah. superpower. So I guess that's what I'm saying. My wife read more than I did. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I have a I have a stack of books that I need to attempt and pull kernels of truth from. Um, so I will be doing that yeah. in the near future. Uh yeah. You should also read Ecclesiastes. It helps. I I have. I have. That book is that bur- book is pretty burned into my mind. As it should be. Yeah. Um, so today on the podcast, we have some exciting things. Uh, to remind the listeners, we are talking about the movie Be Kind Rewind. And mm-hmm. we have two articles that we're going to be discussing. Uh, one of them was written by half of this podcast. That was Blake over there. He's the author. It's actually Jameson playing Blake. Oh, yeah. I forget that that's the way things go. Although, who... Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember writing it. That's how in character I was. Um, <laughs> and then we have um, another article about the about the phenomenon of hauntology and hauntology in movies and music and how it's kind of showing up in the modern world. So we'll get to that. That'll be really exciting. We also are going to have our first podcast guests. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Man, that's going to be super exciting. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder, should we even cut the, like, like should we even continue talking, or should we just, like, cut this short and, like, actually have our guests? Uh, well, do you have anything else to talk about? I mean, I, we talked, well, we talked I, about our... I mean, I guess we could, I guess we could, I mean, we could, we could, ex, we could ex, give our exciting news at the end of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, about what's coming up. Yeah, we have some exciting news. But... I mean, our guests are way cooler than we are anyways. I mean, my whole plan is to get them on and then have them back again. And then eventually 
actually give them the podcast. That's how I think that's 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 ideal. the low effort long con. So, uh, oh man, hey, I'm down. Yeah, I mean that is really putting 125 percent into this. What like you got to put 125 <laughs> in so you can put zero later, right? That's how it goes. Oh, it's 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 like a financial. Thing. Oh, yeah. I like it. Um, it's it's pyramid scheme podcasting. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think our, our guests are very exciting. So I say we get to them and we get to talking about, uh, the movie and yeah. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Sounds good. All right. Let's take a, let's take a short break. We'll be right back because we got to wrangle the guests like sheepdog yeah sheep dogs yeah we gotta wrangle them not just one there's two of us we gotta wrangle them okay so we'll be back yeah what do you want <laughs> don't laugh hardly and i ain't got time for that shit all right goodbye goodbye <laughs> Yeah, I heard her laughing. She laughs. laughs. I got <laughs> Have I got time for that crap of hers? I guess yeah. I, apparently oh, she not. Does. She laughs. Did you see her laugh? She's like a prank caller. <clears throat> well, maybe she laughed the way you answered the phone. Now, fun. what the hell does she want to tell me? And I have got my pajamas on my road. I've got to get dressed and everything. And get things together, I'm going to forget. Maybe she was just calling to say good morning. Bullshit. She calls and she goes, ha ha Takes all that time that I have to do. And I'm not even... Alright. Welcome back. We finally wrangled the guests. Would it, I would like to introduce my guest, who is currently in my house. This, I feel really special to have this person in my house. And that she has not left this house. And that she has not left me. Uh, this is my wife, Melissa. Or as some of my friends and I often nickname her, Melly Mel. After the rapper from the 80s. Of course. Yes, of course. I need you to know that I was this many minutes old when I realized that rapper was from the 80s. That's funny. <laughs> See, you learn something new every day. Who's your guest, Jameson? Yeah, well, uh, similar to you, the guest is coming from within the house. Um, and and if you heard that laugh, that was my lovely wife, Kira, who uh, I, I don't have a rapper nickname for her, but... Um, Unfortunately. Kira K, that's her middle name. Uh <laughs> She's pretty cool. That's me. She also hasn't left the house, um, which is good. But yeah. Um, And uh, kind of uh, additionally, we also get my unborn child, who is also also sitting with my wife. So (laughs) always present. Bonus guest. If you listen really, really closely, listeners, you can hear 
Melissa and I's son, Seamus, sleeping in the other room. Nice. <laughs> Does Seamus snore? He doesn't no, he know. just wiggles. He's a wiggler. <laughs> and everyone always scream out. Yeah, he'll scream and out. And then turn over and be fine. Yep. But it's jarring it when is. it happens. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, paranormal activity. It really, exactly. it really, I, <laughs> yeah. The first few times it happened, too, it was like, it's literally like waking up and thinking someone has entered the house. It's terrifying. And then you look at the screen, and he's just asleep. And yeah. you're like, well, well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. Does he ever get up close to the screen? And then, like, when you look at it, you're like, ah, there's a giant face. No, but his eyes do do show up kind of uh, like cat eyes. Yeah. Uh, if you if he's turned on his back, because the the camera's from above, and so mm-hmm. he has to be on his back. And if his eyes are open, you can see him shining in the camera. Yeah, and he still he still hasn't figured out that it exists, and yeah. it's far enough away from his crib that, um, yeah. And we're gonna make that last as long as possible. This is gonna be the Truman Show, yeah, part two. Nice. 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 <laughs> okay, so our wives promised five minutes, so I don't want to take up uh, that much more time of their five minutes. But uh, yeah, you've got two minutes left. I know, <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the movie. We haven't even mentioned the movie. Oh gosh. Um, so we brought them on because they both watched this week's movie with us which this week's movie was Be Kind Rewind, which was directed by Michelle Gondry, and it stars Most Def, or actually Yasin Bey, right? That's how he goes now. Uh, and, and Jack Black. And Blake, do you want to set up kind of the plot of the movie? Yeah, so the plot of the movie is basically... Uh, Mos Def and Danny Glover own a small little independent uh, video store. Uh, is it is it Brooklyn? No, it's New Jersey. No. New Jersey, that's right. Yeah, Passaic, that's Passaic, right. Yeah. Ah, it's so sad. I can't remember that. Anyways, so they own a little uh, video shop, all VHS, and Jack Black is Mos Def's friend, uh, Jerry, and Jerry works at a I guess like a, like a, basically a mechanic shop that's right next to a, um, like radio tower of sorts, and he decides to destroy the radio tower and gets electrified in the process, or magnetized in the process, and he comes into the shop one day and he erases all of the VHS tapes, and this struggling store is still trying to survive, and they're under the gun for getting closed down. And at the end of the day, the customers keep coming in. They're like, I want to see this movie. And so Mos Def and Jerry, or uh, Jack Black, end up having to recreate these movies, including the Ghostbusters, which is their first one, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, a bunch of classic films. And they go through this whole process, and it culminates in getting shut down by the big movie companies for you know copyright infringement so they specifically yeah specifically sigourney weaver yeah who plays the big exact um 
<clears throat> they get shut down, but they decide to make their own movie about Fats Waller, who is a local hero or supposed local hero. And, uh, and the community comes together at the end. But I think my wife would rather talk about how she appreciated the ending of the movie. Uh, I, go for it. I, that would be a very brief conversation as I did not appreciate <laughs> the ending. But why? Because it's awful. <laughs> well, listen, this is this is the most drama we've had on the podcast. I'm so excited to learn more about why it's so awful. So, I mean, I live in a world that's really foul. And so I watch films that I feel socially obligated to watch. Um, because like documentaries, things that happen, things that make me more aware of how awful elements of our world is. And I watch films that make me happy. Uh, like those are, those are my, those are my genres. And this film was neither, um, because the ending is inconclusive. I don't want like you can imagine the best version of how this ended. I want a bow. Uh, and so after what I endured throughout the film for it to have been ended in such a manner that my husband would know how much I would hate and that he looked at me with any degree of shock at my dismay was just, it was just staggering. The whole thing was just terrible. <laughs> That's wonderful. I I love that review. Um, I mean, part of me is like, I feel like the movie definitely had its bow tying stacked against it because one thing I'm thinking of is how this like it came out in like 2004, right? Something around that time. 2008. 2008. Whoa, even later. I don't know if y'all remember this, but the uh, recession happened. It was a whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, good times. This was also, yeah, this was also when there was only like, I don't know, a handful of blockbusters. And this store was, was behind the stores that were already behind the times. And so there wasn't really anything to, to go but down for you know a store like that so i definitely i i kind of feel for that but i do see you know i do see how at one end it really did try to kind of be light and fun and fluffy with that in the background which gives you this this tension that that doesn't doesn't allow for anything nice or anything you know realistic what about you, Kara? Oh, what about me? Yeah. Um, I so the first time I watched it was when it came out, and I was still in high school at the time, and I was a lot less uh, critical of the things I watched. So watching it again, um, I also think you know, over ten years have gone by, and think things are a little cringy about it now that maybe weren't at the time. Um, but all that said, I still loved watching them recreate 
these movies. Like that that to me is what why I ended up buying this movie when it came out on DVD and why we had it. Um it's just like the inventiveness and creativity and it ended up creating this whole like subculture on YouTube of sweeted films which I thought was amazing. And my actually my little brother at the time was really into filmmaking and he um he and his friends would make their own movies and so they were really into it from like the practical effects standpoint, you know, and all that. And um and the, the, it's funny, Melissa, your reaction to the end. I have a similar reaction of distaste, but but I felt like it was too happy and cheerful. <laughs> Like, I don't like endings that are like, you know, even even though it, it, it does end ambiguously, like, we're not really sure how this is all going to work out in the end for the store itself. But, like, having everyone come together and, you know, be, be cheery and be like, this was great doesn't work for me anymore and it really didn't at the time but like but again the charm of the film is is playing on all this nostalgia and this kind of childlike creativity which which still shows through I think so I still enjoyed it for for that okay and I can give you that like I would say that those are the parts of the film that I hated the least um or and I nay even enjoyed the most um and it, I think that even what you're saying, like, it was this, um, the ending was this distorted, why are all these people so happy? Like, this is not ending well. Like, there's no resolution here. Um, and if this was the resolution, this is non-reality based. So, like, even though I like bows, I, like, that degree of a crowd through the window, I was like, why did we ever not... Why did we watch this on the inside of the building? Like, who does this? This is not real. And it's not happy. So it was both non-reality based and not happy. Anyway. um, But I enjoyed the, like, Mm. I I would say those are the spaces that I cringe the least. Yeah. I mean, it's always about awkwardness for you. Awkwardness for me is also a hallmark of a film I'm going to not enjoy. So, like, Meet the Parents is my version of a suspense film. Because knowing someone is about to do something embarrassing or uncomfortable. So the actual filming parts, and I was reflecting on it as you were saying this, was, it's like, okay, the actual filming parts was not uncomfortable. That was enjoyable and funny. But when they got out of character, out of those elements, and started interacting, I was just terribly uncomfortable most of the time. Yeah, I, I'm i glad Kier brought up like the sweeted idea because I feel like that is the thing that, that this film is probably remembered for. I think I was reading how in like 2018, they had a sweeted film festival. So 10 years after it, much more recently. And I do even remember feeling the first time I watched this, and I still kind of felt that when I watched it, this time too was they didn't spend enough time with the movies, the sweeted movies. I, uh, because that really was 
kind of the heart of the movie and where a lot of the inventiveness came from. And I think if you've seen Michelle Gondry's other films too, like the science of sleep and eternal sunshine of a spotless mind, you see that he is a, he's really into these inventive, you know, practical effect hacks and things like that. And if you watch some of his, I think he's also very famous for that white stripes video fell in love with a girl where it's all Legos and that's, that's really fun. Um, so yeah, I, I could see that. I also remember feeling like the characters are all kind of dumb. Um, and it's, it's, it's a weird, awkward balance where they're not a hundred percent dumb in kind of a dumb, funny sort of way, but they're just kind of weird dumb which also makes it kind of cringy and awkward so i i kind of see that too um yeah i i remember even the first time i watched it really not buying how naive most def's character was like it made no sense then and it definitely makes no sense now (laughs) i don't understand that choice matter of fact the only person i can think of that I might be able to avoid that. Well, I mean, Danny Glover could technically be avoid that, but that's because he's hardly in the movie. Um, but the other person I would, I would say is Alma. Uh, <clears throat> she kind of comes off being her own person more than anyone else in the movie. Um, she has the most business savvy too of any exactly. of them. <laughs> She's the reason why it works in the end. So <laughs> Yeah. Or doesn't work, depending on how you read the end. It didn't work. (laughs) No, in reality, it did not work. West Coast video always wins. Yeah. And all the the Sweden movies got crushed. Yep. Steamrolled. Under the weight of patriarchy and capitalism. Delivered by Sigourney Weaver. Exactly. (laughs) I feel like that itself is like a trope. Sigourney Weaver showing up in the third act to just lay, you know, kick ass or destroy people or whatever. What? uh, Oh, Cabin in the Woods. She does that in that as well. So... always great to see her so is is this the is this the most torture we're gonna put our wives through i think they were great sports you guys uh you guys lifted our podcast to a whole nother level so and you lasted a whole nearly 17 minutes i know i owe y'all we got 12 extra minutes out of y'all yeah the first five (laughs) were all that i signed up for (laughs) so you're actually required to cut out anything after that mark oh that'd be hilarious it's just gonna be (laughs) melissa's review of how terrible the movie was (laughs) sliced in between our podcast without any lead up or any end there was a part that i i really loved that older man who was like this is how you spin the films to make it look old. And oh, yeah. that, right, when he hung the strings, like I got a little weepy just because mm-hmm. I like appreciated the thoughtfulness and intention around mm-hmm. that and the creativity. Anyway, 
He also so. played Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters Sweden. Mm, yes. That's true. That's yeah. true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was that the same guy? Yeah. That's where I got confused. Yeah. <laughs> he worked at the mechanic shop with... I, I there's also right. like that was the same guy. Yeah. I thought it was just a different community member because that was later yeah. in the film. Mm. Yeah, there, yeah, it does kind of feel like the movie had some missing components in that way. Some things that were edited out that like glued the community mm-hmm. together because you get that character and you kind of see him a couple times, but you don't really get his name, even though they mention him. Like you're supposed to know him, so. Do you think that we got the sweeted version of this film? Potentially. Maybe we could get Michelle Gondry on the podcast and have him explain what the director's cut is supposed to look like. I'm not going to lie. I would like to see the director's cut of this movie. Apparently, if you stay long enough after the credits roll, you do see the website where you can watch all the sweeted films that, that Jack Black and Mozef make. I don't know if the website's still up, but I did notice that. Apparently they did do enough of them to make it worth having a website. We should check if the website's still up and then put it in the show notes. Yep. We'll do that. All right. Well, and if nothing else, YouTube is a trove yeah. for sweeted films. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. YouTube, who uses that? <laughs> TikTok <laughs> is a trope. <laughs> See, my wife, my wife has already lost interest. She's looking at her phone. So I'm looking up to see if you can still have access, but I realized that it would be a really lengthy, awkward pause if we waited. So I'll probably leave here and perhaps go take care of the back porch for a minute. Um, <laughs> that usually that usually signals bit. the end of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and see if I can find these sweeted films because I would like. Sometimes it was just the reel where you saw and mm-hmm. and we made these forty movies in in seventy two minutes. Yep, that'd be great. Okay. Yeah, if you find them, please let us know. Oh, I will. Oh, we will. And it'll make me feel productive. Yep. After our time together. And then you have to do work. <laughs> or go to bed. One or the other. <laughs> Definitely one or the other. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to thank again our wives for coming on. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Kira. Thank you, Kira. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> can't say I've never been on a podcast before. <laughs> All right, so we're back. Um, although, to the listeners, we never left. Oh, hey, Melissa. What's up? I just came back briefly to let you know that it appears that the Be Kind Rewind website has been rerouted to Kind Granola Bars. You get a redirect. I'm going to be... No. To see if there's some other format, but I was just exceptionally sad at that state of affairs. I appreciate that. You're welcome. That is sad. This granola segment bars. was brought to you by Kind Granola Bars. 
Well, okay, yeah. I'm not going to be down on kind granola bars. If they want to pay us money for that segment, then... Yeah, they should. Yeah. Or just give us... Tomorrow. Or just give us some granola bars. Hey, I'd I would take that. I would take granola bars. I know Seamus I, would. Yeah. Although these ones, I think the kind granola bars are kind of tough. Or at least very chewy, right? Mm, I don't know. Mm, yeah, possibly. It's been a while since I've had one. Not saying your son can't handle that. I was thinking more for myself. He's a real tough cookie, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right, Blake. Yeah. So what did what did you think of the movie? I love it. I okay. unabashedly love it. I all of the flaws, like even the ending, like I get it. Like it's 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 not realistic. It's not like it's not even happy or unhappy for that matter. I get all the I get all the critiques. I just can't help it. I love this film. Yeah, it <laughs> it's charming and it's so charming and everything about it exudes charm. I do, you know, for as awkward as most F and, and Jack Black are, I still they're still lovable, you know. Oh yeah. And um you know, I, I think sometimes I, I wish that it would either fully commit to, you know, kind of a dumb sense of humor or something else, but um, but it's still very, very charming. Yeah, it, there's there's an element of of the characters that needed a little bit more of something, and they either needed to go more dumb and dumber or they needed to go more serious. I'm not sure you could get that out of Jack Black. But I've never actually seen Jack Black Black act like in a quote unquote serious role. He's always kind of just Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, that is actually an interesting point. Has like Jack even, even the holiday, he's still Jack Black. Well, okay, I feel like there's a couple bit parts he was in, right? This is an aside. Um, well, no, this is this is key. We're we're, we're unlocking the film. It's yeah, like an onion. We're pulling back the layers. Yeah, I'm gonna try to look up something for a second and see if I can. Hmm. I feel like he's in some really tense thriller. Where? Enemy of the state. Is he an enemy of the state? He's one of the tech guys. Is he Jack Black in that, or is he like he's something else? He's basically just background. Oh, he's also in the Jackal. Uh, the I completely 19, forgot about that. Nineteen ninety-seven film uh, with Bruce Willis and Richard Gere. Yeah, um, I, I recall the film. I, I mean, I recall little about the film, but I do recall it was a film. Yeah, I recall that Jack Black was in that movie, and I think he plays some sort of victim or something or another i think he has to be scared and Uh, that makes sense i don't know for sure these are old memories of me watching something on tv Mm -hmm. um but yeah i've seen mo's death be serious yes i mean speaking of bruce willis 16 blocks 
Yeah, I haven't seen that. Is it good? But, I mean, it's fine. It's a good action movie. All right. But, I mean, I, I actually enjoy the chemistry between Bruce Willis and Mos Def. I think they have good chemistry. I like so. Mos Def as an actor. I think yeah. he's... In everything I've seen with him, he's very mm-hmm. likable. I had a bad experience. Oh. Do you remember that, what that was from? No. I thought you were going to tell me an actual bad experience. No, the Italian job. Oh, yeah, yeah. The new one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with, well, yeah, I don't think Mostef was born when the old one came out. No. Um, or if he yeah. was, he was super young. Yeah. I mean, he could have been a baby in that movie. Maybe. I, I imagine a baby would have a bad experience in yeah. the Italian job. The original one, yeah, for sure. Especially if you're a baby and you're trying to get a nap. Yeah. I mean, with all that heist, heistiness going on. But, but do you remember why he said that in the new one? No. It's been... I haven't seen that in over ten years. Is it bad that every time I hear someone say, it's been... I always think, one week since you looked at me. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> no that is bad, Blake. <laughs> Uh, no, he, he's at, he's pulled outside of Ed Norton's house and Ed Norton has two big dogs and they're like Mark Wahlberg and Charlie Theron and whoever else is talking in the mics. They're like, why don't you like dogs? Blah, blah, blah. And Mos Def is like, I had a bad experience. <laughs> That's why he won't go up to the door or to the gate. I, I get that. Have you ever had yeah. a bad experience with dogs? No, but my dad has. Mm. He got bit by a by a uh, uh, what's the type that is known for being mean? Pit bulls. Pit bull. He got bit by a pit bull. And not the not the rapper. No, he wasn't. No. He wasn't. Bit that would have been hilarious. <laughs> no. He got he got bit by an actual pit bull, and because my dad suffers no fools, <laughs> the only thing he had on him at the time was a hammer because he is a handyman, Oof. and that was the only way he could get the dog off of him. The dog was fine, the dog was fine. It did not get put down. Any of that stuff. So any of you pet lovers out there, the dog, I'm sure lived a a, a fine life after he nearly ate my dad. Dogs? Yeah, dogs are scary. <laughs> I once had a bad experience with dogs. I was I was in Arco, Idaho. Um, Kira and I had been traveling, and we stopped at a campsite near Arco, Idaho, because we wanted to go to Craters of the Moon, which is this national monument of just a bunch of lava fields and lava rocks, and it mm-hmm. looks like you're on a on you know mars or something or the moon um it's really awesome and highly highly recommended but uh i woke up early the day we were gonna go and i went on a run and arco idaho is just a very small town with lots of dogs running around and no gates 
around because it's very rural, very small. And um, I was running down a road and a whole pack of dogs came at me and they... Have you ever seen the show Patriot on uh, Am- yes. Amazon? I mean, I've, seen, I've seen like three or four episodes, yes. There's this one bit that is in my mind where uh, they're teaching the main character. So the main character is the secret agent and they're teaching him how to uh, deal with dogs. And they're like, Oh, just think of a dog as a person that's half your size. And yeah, maybe they can do some damage to you, but you can certainly kill them. So like, don't ever be afraid of dogs. And I, I think that whenever I'm running and I see one dog, but this was this was like <laughs> five dogs, and I was like, "There's no way I could take on five dogs." Yeah. Um, and they came up to me, and one of them like bit my shirt and was really, really aggressive. And I, eventually, I was able to kind of like separate myself from the group. But um, but that shirt, I still have like bite holes in it, um, and it was Dang. it was definitely definitely the creepiest or scariest experience that I've ever had with dogs. So. I ha- so so whenever you started saying that, I did remember I did get chased by a dog on a run early in the morning one time. Ugh. Yeah, I was with a friend of mine, and we both had to like turn around and start like yelling at it and whatnot because, it was... and the owner was at the house like down the block trying to get it to come back, blah blah blah, and oh, eventually it just stopped running after us. But yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, when you when you start to kind of focus on those mouths and yeah. see those teeth, it it um, you start to realize like, oh, this could actually be injurious. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, so, the, so yes, Mo's death is exactly correct. Yes, I've had a bad experience. I understand Mo's death in the Italian yeah. job, his whole stuff. So bringing you back around, Mo's death can be serious. Yes. And Jack Black, I'm not sure he can. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, I, I. I don't know. It needed to go one way or the other. I, I feel like they probably would have done better if it gotten more the dumb dumb route, where they just are lovable idiots. Um, but I also don't want to go too far that way because I think this movie has stuff on its mind and. Sometimes the lovable idiots kind of gets in the way of, you know, trying to get at a bigger, you know, bigger commentary. Um, because as much as I love Dumb and Dumber, it doesn't have a whole lot on its mind. <laughs> Dumb, Dumb and Dumber has zero on its mind. And it's a wonderful <laughs> film. It's a wonderful film. But yeah, you just yeah. don't you're you're not going to, you know read discourse on dumb and dumber that's going to give any sort of i guess value to your life maybe (laughs) you know maybe you'll read about how it fit into the historical landscape but it's not going to be about dumb and dumber it's going to be about the surrounding things yeah exactly exactly (laughs) but yeah yeah, this this movie had more on its mind yeah for sure and so part of me wonders, you know, maybe just different casting or, or something like that to, to either give it more heft or less, depending on how, which way what they wanted to go with it. I mean, there's a world in which they literally just 
take out the whole storyline of the video store. There's plenty of movies that have no like realistic like consequence for small businesses. Like they just exist and they continue to exist for some reason, even though there's no way they continue to exist in that, in that landscape. They could have just done that and made the big deal. Like most, you know, Danny Glover being pissed at Mos Def when he came back or something from a trip. <laughs> yeah. I can't hear you for some reason. Because I was muted. Oh, there we go. I forgot to hit the button. Um, yeah, as I was watching it, I was just thinking how how this business had lasted this long. Like the the whole scheme of of movie rentals was you could rent this movie for a dollar and I was seeing like I don't know, ten people come in throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I feel like that's a generous amount. Yeah. So like ten dollars a day for a shop, you know, how do you even pay rent yeah. on something like that? Let alone even if even if you have those same ten people every day for a month, you're looking at what ten dollars times thirty, three hundred dollars. There's no way that's going to cover rent. (laughs) Even if he owned the building, there's no way that's going to cover electricity. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's there's enough there where it's already unrealistic enough, but. I feel like they could have just dropped like maybe the 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 demise of the of the business or the or the building angle and just made it about. Uh, I mean, there's a world in which even like my so one of my favorite part of the reason why I like the movie and why I like even like the ending to some extent is it's 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 about creating a community within that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's like coalescing around it, do, it doesn't even matter it's the video store it's it's just the neighborhood coalescing and becoming what it truly could be um and i like that that's that is hopeful in my mind um because i think that's missing in a lot of ways from our day and age is this idea of like a coalesced community in all these different parts of the world and so um there's plenty of ways you could do that without the kind of, oh no, my business and my building are going to get torn down and gentrified and all this stuff. Those are heavy subjects and they need to be dealt with, but maybe this is not the movie. <laughs> so, Yeah. Although thinking about it and thinking about my community growing up too, I, I, what you're, what you're saying really I feel like resonates with this film is it definitely gets the place right. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it exists in a place. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just exist wherever, you know, it's not in, um, in, in some Brooklyn street, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, they make a point to say New Jersey, it's, you know, now the town is slipping my mind, Passaic. but yep. Passaic, Passaic. Yep. 
and and you know the whole movie you start to kind of recognize the the locations too because it really just takes place in this you know block mm-hmm. essentially um and i i feel like the movie really kind of nails that and that's 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 a pretty neat successful thing and it it started to get me thinking about the video stores that were important in my life too mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of a loving thing because this movie does resonate with me on that level. I grew up, you know, I was I was born late 80s, grew up in the 90s, and the area that I lived, um, Butte County, California, we had this big chain of of video stores called All the Best Video, and there were a bunch of All the Best scattered about. And actually, I think the last one finally went out of business last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they would always kind of like change and go out of business or um, move. And I, I have all these fond memories of like going in and buying as they were kind of going out of business, buying the VHSs, buying the DVDs and things like that. And, um, and it was, it was a place where my dad would take me, we would, you know, go on a Sunday, get five movies for the week. They would have Mm -hmm. deals like five movies for $5. Mm -hmm. And I would get to pick out one. My dad would pick out five uh, or uh, four, the other four. But, um, you know, it was, it, it felt pretty magical to kind of go, and explore and you know you wouldn't get to experience the entire movies but you could you could look at a little bit of the movie through the covers yeah and um and i feel like that's actually something kind of missing in um in streaming these days is it's actually really hard to browse mm-hmm. and browsing doesn't have you know, three dimensions anymore. You're kind of missing different things. And it's it's lost some of its tactility. Yeah. And I feel like Mm. no streaming service has really recaptured that magic. I'm not saying that it's not possible. I'm just saying that it's a harder problem than I think they've, they've addressed at this point. But, um, but yeah, these are things that I miss and and watching this movie kind of takes me back to Mm -hmm. that. So well, it's it's similar to similar to a place called Video Stop that was literally just a hole in the wall video store. Uh, so where I grew up, there was a there was a road that went over the highway that passed through my town, um, and you would go over that that road over that bridge, and you would go into this nicer part of the town as far as residences go. But there'd be this little shop at the end of that bridge. Is in this little business shop area, and the guy, uh, I mean, he probably finally shut it down, but he was just one guy ran the place. It, it would it was his part time gig. He worked at the like a garden center at <laughs> the, the other part of the day, but I would go in there and I'd shop the. I still remember when he started getting DVDs, 
Like that's so I grew up in the early eighties or I I was born in the early eighties, grew up in the late eighties and the nineties. So I still remember the, the switch from whenever the stores were like, Oh, DVDs. Cool. I guess we can try to see how this does with the audiences. And so uh yeah, watching him slowly kind of work that like eventually it was just one shelf in the back those dvds mm-hmm. and the rest of it was still vhs and at that time i didn't have a dvd player so i saw no point of going back there to look so but yeah i would i would pick up the boxes and i'd look at the back and i'd like and i will say the biggest thing and i don't recall if this was the case and it's very possible that this is just really bad bout of nostalgia on my part but i don't recall ever having choice paralysis in a video store like I do with streaming. Service. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing. I, I remember some choice paralysis, but it wasn't. Yeah. I had that same experience in, in picking music to listen to or picking music to buy at like tower records. Yeah. Um, you know, I would be I would be so willing to buy things based on their cover, based on like a feeling I get mm-hmm. just kind of looking at it. Whereas I I definitely with streaming, I look at a movie, I read the synopsis, I sometimes even have to watch the preview for it mm-hmm. before I'm fully convinced and you know, I waffle over it. So, you know, I wonder I haven't ever explored that in my mind that's an interesting idea like how kind of the digital format has created more choice paralysis now obviously there's more choices available like of course you know do i watch hulu do i watch youtube do i watch tiktok do i watch you know but but yeah that's that's interesting well, I so I will say the the one thing that will verify this is that I never, when I went to a video store, I never came home and did not wa- end up watching a movie. There yeah. are nights when I f- endlessly flip through streaming services and I end up going to bed not having watched anything. Yes, <laughs> I I have done that too, and I try. I try to not do that. Like I, I even like set myself up where I'm like, okay, I feel like this is a bad habit that you're developing, mm-hmm. Jamie. Yep. You know, it, it would be better for you to have watched a movie that you didn't even enjoy that much yeah. than do this. And so I've been, I, yeah, I've noticed that in myself and I've been trying to work on it. Um, Cause you, you don't, you don't get anywhere with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no. you don't no. experience new stories that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember going, having like, so after all the best, uh, those kind of faded away. There was a Hollywood video in mm-hmm. our town, which was a bigger chain. We had uh, one of those too. Yeah. And right before they went out of business, the, you know, a couple years before they started this, this program that was, kind of a lot like Netflix at the time where you could pay a monthly membership and you could take out five movies at a time. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that was like the high point 
for me of movie watching. I would get five movies and I would watch them in two days. I'd watch, you know, I'd watch them until two in the morning. And a lot of times I would fall asleep um, in the middle of one. Um, But um, yeah, I, I loved watching movies at that time. That was, that was great. Well, even Blockbuster did that like towards the end of their life. Mm-hmm. They did something similar to that because they saw the writing on the wall. They saw what Netflix was doing and the model they were creating. And they were trying to kind of make their version of that. And I took advantage of it in grad school. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I would rent. I don't remember what the deal was. I think it was like maybe three or four movies at a time, like for a certain price or something. I don't remember. But I remember I took advantage of it on every three or four days. <laughs> I would so. Yeah. Um, Blake, do you remember your first DVD player? Um, funny enough, my first DVD player was a uh, HP computer. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I had to watch my first DVD on a computer. So because my parents were not too keen on getting new technology unless they absolutely had to. Yeah. Um, that would that was kind of similar. Yeah. yeah. And to be completely fair, like even at the time, I recall the excitement around DVDs being more around it was being new and like not knowing anything about it. And so it was kind of that that glitz of like, ooh, this is new and cool and whatnot. But really, at the end of the day, as long as you put a movie in the VCR, I wouldn't have cared. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my first dvd player was a ps2 our family also didn't have um dvd players but i saved up to buy a playstation 2 and that also played dvds nice um, and so yeah i was the first person to bring it in um you remember your first bought dvd no i don't i wish i did i wish i, I knew a- that I have a strong memory of mine. It was the Great Escape. Oh, I was I was in a, a good big one. Steve McQueen uh, phase in my early like late high school, early college time. I bought that, and then re- shortly after that, I bought Seven. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I would watch those movies over and over again. <laughs> like. What's in the DVD box? What's in the box? <laughs> and there were the nice versions too. Remember when DVDs had like all the nice like artwork and stuff? Like they were the like fancy sets. Yeah. I remember I got the full on seven box set, like with the artwork and cool like features and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah, I think that was the that was like the best thing about DVDs was extra features, deleted mm-hmm. scenes, um, the you know breaking it up into different chapters so you could easily go back mm-hmm. um, to your scenes. Uh, speaking of speaking of that, did you ever watch Mulholland Drive on DVD? Um, <clears throat> I don't think so. But I also didn't see Mulholland Drive until about 10 years ago. 
Yeah. So okay. it was pretty much like at that point, Blu-ray was pretty much. Yeah. Could, I mean, it's not all you could find, but most places you were going, going to rent it. It was Blu-ray. So <laughs> the, the first, the first release of Mulholland Drive, David Lynch was uh, trying to be so cool and kind of anti-technology that he just made the whole thing one chapter. (laughs) And so if you fell asleep like me during movies, you'd fall asleep in the middle and then you could, you'd have to go through, you'd have to, yeah. And, and normally that wouldn't be so bad. But it's Mulholland Drive. But, and it's well, nearly impossible. <laughs> yeah, you can't find your spot in that. But also, with the exception of the introduction of chapters, DVD players all had terrible fast-forward and rewind oh, yeah. functions. Yeah, That was one thing that VHSs will always mm-hmm. have, is the ability to physically physically rewind and not just kind of like you know skip around and and find the right spot in the data um yeah yeah so yeah i I feel like this is a good segue into something i want to talk about um and and unfortunately i i had to use my own writing as a way to like jump off this subject because i I had, I don't see this written about anywhere, and I think it's it's actually one of my more genius moments in my writing, and it's this idea that like in in the days of home video technology, uh, we no longer interact with movies the same way because we can always go back and rewatch and. Uh, check our memory on how a movie goes or how something happens in a movie or something like that. Whereas there is a long period of film history where you saw a movie once or twice in a theater and that was it. (laughs) And if you wanted to remember the movie again, you had to remember it. (laughs) And part of me is like, what was it like to remember movies in a way that like because and and i bring this up in my piece and it's this idea that like there are numerous cases of where people forget how movies work or how characters uh act or how what they say and things like that casablanca being the prime Mm -hmm. example you know play it again sam it's what everyone says is in the movie. It's never in the movie. Never, it's never said in the movie. Those exact words. There are versions of it. Never that, though. And so there's this ongoing feeling that this, this was in the movie. And before home video, for all most people knew, it was. And my question is, is that so bad? Mm. <laughs> yeah it's kind of like a like a mandela effect yeah um, speaking of uh misremembering um 
I do want to say, Blake, do you remember that I've read this piece before? No, I didn't. Yes, this is the second time that I that you sent me this piece. <laughs> you sent me it a couple years ago after you had written it, and I did read it then. Yeah. And I read it again, and I but I did remembered you remember that it was the one. I remembered it was the one because <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> because you spend a lot of time talking about this experience you had with this this movie where a, a child gets sucked into a pit. Um, and that's kind of how you open it. And I had a similar experience, uh, with a movie from my childhood where I remember this, this scene where this monster is fighting, uh, like some, uh, some piece of, of construction equipment that's like going on and, it's it's in my mind and it's kind of this weird climactic dark scene and I could never I I completely forgot about the movie but that scene has always been in my mind um, and, and, and that's how been able to find it so yes I did oh. actually find this one wow. um, it's um, yeah it's called the the creature from Crater Lake but it's oh. not but it's not the crater lake that was that it's not the famous crater lake in Oregon. Yeah, it's a little okay. South of that in Susanville or near Susanville, California, there's another crater lake and it was filmed around there. And this actually tracks with my dad who was very, very loyal to kind of his place and uh-huh. he would have definitely rented a movie that was filmed, you know, in kind of near Susanville, which is about two hours away from us in Northern California. So it definitely, like, as I was reading about it, I was like, oh, this this is definitely the movie. But yeah, I had to kind of piece things together. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never watched it again. So I don't actually know if that scene is in there. Yeah, but this is definitely the movie that's that's inspiring. This that's scene. inspiring it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, there's there's, I've had a few people that have given me possible, you know, suspects for mine, but I still have yet to find mine. Um, and the sad part is, is that the description I give is is so vague that it could be any number of '80s films, like '80s. PG PG thirteen horror film, um, and so that's that's the hard part about mine. It's just a very distinct image, uh, but it it tracks with the time period. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but yeah, I I don't know. There, there's something that I am somewhat jealous of my parents and my grandparents' generation of, and I and I talk about this in the piece. I say that they got to do, they basically were part of the filmmaking. They got to interact with the film in such a way that I was, I was not able to because of technology. Now I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. I'm just saying that there's something to the, the enjoyment of a film where you're actually creating your own version of it 
and and it's 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 everyone's sweeted version of a yeah film. like you know it's this idea that we all have a certain version of the film and it this happens even today it's just that we don't give a whole lot of thought to it probably because we would just turn on the movie again um or we would read about it or something like that um and so it's not it hasn't gone away it's just that we don't utilize that aspect of our memory and our imagination and i kind of miss that or i kind of miss the idea of it i don't know if that makes sense (laughs) yeah so i guess i guess what i'm kind of imagining is is you know you have these cultural moments where okay casablanca comes to your town and then everybody goes and sees it and then casablanca goes away from your Mm -hmm. town but the memory stays with the town and people talk about it and the movie kind of lives on in that space and transforms Mm -hmm. into something else and you could still call that like the film because yeah. it's existing, you know, in people's minds, but it's 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 evolving in certain ways. Whether it's yeah. you know a new line appears or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, today, if someone was to say, "Oh yeah, I saw this great movie, uh, Casablanca," you know, you should go and see it. Uh, it has this line played again, Sam. Someone could be like, "Um, actually, actually, <laughs> it's." I, I I have the whole script printed out here. Yeah, exactly. Control F, played against Sam, doesn't show up anyway. Yes. So exactly. Um, and we have these checks and balances, and I think, uh, in in some ways they're good. In some ways they're good because, you know, we want to know what's real, mm-hmm. and, and and people are always searching for these things, but. A movie isn't always about every piece, you know. It's not about the the light that makes it. It's about more than that. Mm-hmm. And and those things can be can be flexible in your mind, and you're allowed to do that. Um, you know, kind of going back to this, like memories from our childhood. Um, this past week on Twitter, I don't know if you saw, there was this whole investigation, like everybody got together investigation where someone posted a picture of their, uh, you know, a family photo from like 1993 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And in the background, there was this this screen of a TV and one, one little like elf character. And it was a cartoon. <laughs> and... The question was like, I've been trying to find this movie for 20 years and no one has been able to identify what it was. And it was this whole big hunt. That's um, hilarious. Yeah, it's it's hilarious and it's interesting. And it, it was, you know, it was, it was a fun, like, the internet comes together uh, moment. But then in the at the end of the day, the relief wasn't about like what this movie meant to this person at all. It was just kind of this, like this, like uh, tension that had built from people not knowing the answer to this thing. And then, and then being able to answer it. Um, 
which which creates its own sort of narrative and is interesting in itself too i don't want to take away from that but uh but yeah you know i think we tend to just kind of take from the past and instead of thinking about how that's affecting us we just kind of use screens from it to mm-hmm. to build other things and yeah well and and you can almost say that the <clears throat> the joy that was had in that Twitter hunt was less about the answer and more about the communal aspect of trying to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like we were saying, like it's, it's, and I, and, and I think this is a bigger issue than, than just films or just like nostalgia or memory or anything like that. But it's this idea that like, no, things are better when you do it with other people. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you experience yeah. something with other people it's always going to be better Blake. even the worst day of your life if experienced with other people still better <laughs> like this is the whole conceit of this podcast too like <laughs> i told you the first day i don't have anyone to t- talk to about these movies i mean i force my wife to talk <laughs> about them sometimes but she's like but, why yeah why but uh no she's she's great she's a great talking companion but you know i i like movies i like watching them i like talking to people about them and i feel like there was one part of my life where you know other people were talking to me about movies and i was i was talking to people but yeah i mean you get to your 30s and and life gets busy and you don't talk about movies at work so much anymore or you know everybody just kind of gets busy um but yeah anyway i've just been enjoying having another person to talk to about these oh, things man. cuz yeah same here yeah but um what yeah. i can say that has reinvigorated my enjoyment of movies i don't want to go that far <laughs> i don't <laughs> well for me personally no being no. the burnt out film critic that i was where I came away from most movies being, it was fine. Yeah. Now, I mean, how do I write 800 words about this when I thought it was fine? <laughs> yeah, and I never, I never reached any sort of status of film critic, but I remember uh, I was a pretty early adopter to Letterboxd, but mm-hmm. then at some point, I just got tired of rating movies. I was like, yeah. this, it just, it, it felt like I was collecting points and yeah. uh, that, that felt like a betrayal of, of my movie going and what I actually enjoyed about movie going. So, yeah. so I, you know, there were usefulnesses of, of Letterboxd and I don't, you know, I don't think it, other people are wrong for using it. It just wasn't for me. But yeah. yeah, so. But yeah, yeah I like you, that. If you use I, it just to keep track of what you've watched, it it almost ends up defeating the point of the of the site. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you could just as easily write it down. Yeah, but again, <laughs> there, you know, there is a community aspect to Letterboxd, and that was something mm-hmm. I never really got uh, into so much. I didn't have you know, a, a social 
group in it. And I think, I think a lot of social medias do have that good side to them where they can bring mm-hmm. people together. Um, but I think with any other, you know, with any other social media site too, there's the obvious dark sides that we all kind of yeah. know about at this point, and we're all kind of aware of, and um, and that shows up with Letterboxd too. But oh, yeah. I I I I love your spin on that uh, that Twitter hunt that I brought up and how like, you know, it, it kind of is what you're talking about where this, this photo from the show or this movie mm-hmm. becomes this other thing. So the movie lives on in the community again, yeah. the Twitter community. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you think that the, do you think there is a future? <laughs> I think that the future is going to be far more futuristic than originally predicted. Oh wow! Yeah. Is there is there is there any are there any movies or is there any music that you think uh, uh, notates that that futurism uh, that you're, is is so much futuristic than what we've imagined? <laughs> no, no. That's just one of my favorite lines from Kristen now. <laughs> in uh <laughs> in southland tales um, oh man southland tales it's gonna happen at some point just a matter of time yeah <clears> we're <throat> gonna we're gonna watch that movie and we're gonna have uh i think we have a special guest for that oh that yeah episode. easily so yeah we'll, we'll either have them on that for that one or the box one or the other <laughs> yeah we should do a, a double feature just Ooh. just make the entire homework section just watching two movies two movies that this person is going to hate yes exactly (laughs) all right all right um yeah so i i think i get what you're getting at um you also made me read this article about hauntology or um uh hauntological things and blake for being as short as it is did you find it pretty dense i didn't think it was that short I, it was like, <laughs> it's like, holy crap, man. That was not short, man. That, yeah. No, I did get through it though. It was, it was good. It was good. Um, actually I was surprised, uh, for as much as I, I feel like you don't love the shining. Um, yeah, that, that article I'm not a fan. Yeah. talks about the shining a whole lot. It does. It does. And, and unfortunately shining is kind of a touch point for hauntology yeah it's undeniably so so, so. It, in reading this i realized that i put it together about caretaker yep. the the artist that you were you recommended and i have to admit the caretaker's music has just been filling our house these past two oh, weeks really yeah kira's way into it um i mean so the whole con- conceit is that this person leland uh kirby kirby yeah Mm -hmm. is it kirby leland or leland kirby it's leland kirby okay Mm -hmm. leland kirby yeah he wanted to create kind of this um this music or a whole album's worth of music that could be listened to or would have been listened to at the overlook hotel and the shining Mm -hmm. And, and and i think it it branched out further than that but i think all of the albums kind of hold together in a similar way 
And so if you've seen The Shining, this music is definitely creepy in that mm-hmm. way. Even though it's, you know, taken taken piecemeal, maybe it's not that creepy. It's kind of big bandy and 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 with a you know tweaks and stuff. But um, it's definitely setting the the spooky Halloween mood in our house. Oh yeah, so that's good. I am happy to hear that. Yeah. So that's my, my wife would tell me to shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've also been, yeah, I've also been filling, filling the airways with, uh, with more explicitly creepy music. Like, um, you also recommended Anna von Housewolf. Oh, yes. So, I like uh, it. Very doomy organ, organ player. Um, There's nothing more terrifying than doomy organ. Yeah. And then, um, some woven hand, which, oh, yeah. You're not wearing a. I know. For all the listeners who can see this, uh, you you don't have to look now because I'm ju- I'm going to explain it. So you only have to listen. Uh, Blake is not wearing his woven hand shirt this time. It so. was it was really an oversight. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So David well, Eugene Edwards. I just want you to remember. I want you to remember this episode as if I was wearing a woven hand shirt. Yeah. Just, carry just that, think. Carry it forward. Think of Blake, <laughs> Blake in a woven hand shirt, and then there you go. that'll yep. be the all the editing we need. That's so. all the editing. <laughs> just, just in your mind. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I've been listening to a lot of that to kind of creepify things, but um, but yeah, getting back to your question, do I think there's a future? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, or, or at least a future that like we can visualize in some way. Yeah. So this this article makes an interesting point about that, where it talks about how you know, I guess if you think about the '50s and the '60s and even part of the '70s, you had you know you had the golden age of the future. You had you know the Jetsons type stuff. Mm-hmm. You had this 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 view of the future, and then seventies happen, and the future doesn't come. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you you don't get that stuff, and now future and all the sounds and images and and things that we created for the future becomes something. And and I like the way the article put it become something like how we can have a font that's gothic. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so our, our whole image of the future is now something in the past, something that we can be, be nostalgic for. <laughs> yeah. And um, so where do you go from there? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, so part of the, so I wrote down a couple of quotes just uh, as a memory device for me, but he he talks about the fact that um, the whenever we think of the future or we visualize it or we we write music that rem- makes us think of the future or anything like that, it's our capacity to conceive of a world radically different from the one in which we currently live. 
And that's what he's ultimately saying has died. Because even if you think about the nature of the future films or the utopian films we watch now, there's, it almost, it's almost dependent on the creators of those films or those TV shows to make them about our day and age. <laughs> like we can't even escape our present situation in our future oriented, like entertainment. <laughs> um, so basically this idea that like the future dies, um, we can't conceive of something beyond our present moment. Um, he talks about The Shining specifically. He says everything in the film, therefore, conspires to blur its official contemporaneity and make it possible for the viewer to receive the narrative as though it were set in some eternal 30s beyond real historical time. Uh, that wasn't Shining. It was something else. But basically, it's this idea that, like, if you take away all of the, uh, like, technology and commodities of a time period out of a movie, you basically stretch out that time period, but it's not specific. So like the movie I think about when I read this stuff is it follows. Mm. He does that exact same thing. He just does it in reverse. So he basically sets up this kind of nineties, like Detroit vibe, but then there's these little flourishes like, the the seashell yeah. reader or something like that it's almost like is this the 90s or is it like the future or like what what's going on here so he's he's actually almost reversing what uh fisher talks about here but i mean the the, the effect is the same is that it's it's basically taking us out of time while remaining in a very specific time <laughs> and so we're stuck in the past ultimately uh, and, and the lack of future is what is being consumed ultimately. Yeah. I think, I think it follows is a good touch point uh, for this, this idea too, because one of the things that I'm always reminded of when I watch it follows is there are no parents in that movie um and there and there are you know you see kind of shadows of them um and and there's one really big reveal of of parents at one point but the parents are really lacking and the kids aren't yet adults either too Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like um you know it's kind of like their future never came um yeah i definitely get that feeling um and then yeah when you point that out too that's something i always think of is like is this in the 80s but then but then you know she's reading the idiot on this this kindle shell kindle thing um yeah it's it's wild it it is wild it is wild (laughs) yeah no i I think there's a lot of value to the the concept of hauntology. I I I'm a little hesitant to go full on cynical uh, that that it can't be done or that it really is 
impossible to envision a future beyond the present we now live in. Um, admittedly, I have not seen something that convinced me yet, but I'm still holding out hope that that's, it's still a possibility. Um, but I think the argument he makes is cogent enough to make you wonder. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, he talks about, I, I guess, and maybe, maybe you could check me here, but I felt like his argument wasn't that hauntology is a new thing necessarily, mm-hmm. but that it's getting, it, it's filling up our art more. So yeah. things are getting more and more hauntological. Um, and I kind of wonder too, if kind of going back to when we brought up choice paralysis, um, I think a lot about that. And I think a lot about how the there's for a lot of new things in the world, it seems like the bar is so high, like all of the low hanging fruit has been taken Mm -hmm. and and I feel this way. I, you know, when I when I think about new jokes or something like that, um, you know, Twitter didn't exist when I was creating jokes in my head and telling them yeah. to my family. But, you know, I think of a joke. Do I post it? Do I not post it? Mm-hmm. And then I post it. And then I realize, like, oh, after I post it, I search Twitter, like, is there a joke similar to this? And I see that, like, oh no, there were like a million different ideas that kind of led to this this (laughs) stupid little joke that I made that have already been existing for, you know, eons of the internet. And so you you almost see kind of hauntology creating its way into like like things as simple as as making jokes on the internet. Um, Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I... I I think that I think there's something to that. I also I also kind of wonder about this idea of how we have kind of a glut of information now. Yeah. Mhm. And um and I don't know. I I think like I spend so much time watching movies and and experiencing things and 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 doing these stories they almost become a part of my identity Mm -hmm. and so of course something i'm going to create is going to be haunted by these things yeah and i almost think this is this is a consequence of just more stuff out there and how how we we just have so much and too much and i mean even like the idea of this podcast like i was thinking about it and i was like looking and there's there's over four million podcasts Mm -hmm. and in some respect all it is is just these haunted people with all of these experiences saying like my experience is valid i want i want to put it into the air yeah 
and and the weird thing is it's going to create more hauntings too you know yeah. this this podcast will eventually be stored in some cloud long after we die yeah it's it's going to be haunting the cloud there you know mm-hmm. probably just a really tiny tiny bit but but that still. it's going to be there and so i i think there was i think yeah there was a little bit of a a cynicism about like hauntology but i almost feel like maybe what is being observed is just a necessary lemma of of there being so much stuff yeah it's too many people and and the ability to record it all too and there's no there's <clears throat> so for people who like to create like us it's even worse in a lot of ways because we're constantly thinking has this been done yet has this, well of course it's been done like we know yeah. it's been done it's out there there's so much information that we might as well just put that to bed but we're always searching we're always like has someone else done this has has this been like is this a thing just just so we're clear two two white guys have never come together and done a podcast no. about movies before no, no this, this is a first right? this is, this is the first right here. yeah okay yeah as and, long- and and two white guys in different parts of the country coming together to make a a consistently uh, released podcast it's yeah. record breaking never been done this is definitely not haunted by something no prior no not at all not at all <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot that could be talked about with, uh, with hauntology, but I, I, part of what I enjoy about discussing this is, is just, especially when we talk about Be Kind Rewind, which I think is a, is a, a lighthearted version of basically what he's talking about. It's, there's, there's dark sides to nostalgia, like, Nostalgia is good in a lot of ways, but there's a type of nostalgia or there's an edge to nostalgia that can be harmful. Um, and we, we see it a lot on Twitter and Facebook. And whenever someone gets cast in a role from some one of the franchises and people don't like it and they want their, they want their Luke or what you know whatever it may be like that's that's the nasty side of nostalgia um and but part of me is like i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to mourn the death of of vhs stores (laughs) because in some ways life was a little bit easier just a little bit not saying it was easy but it was just a little bit easier (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, I I've always kind of been put off by that Star Wars example with um I think even like back, you know, we've always had bad toxic Star Wars fans. Um even in the 2000s there was a movie like The People versus George Lucas and George Lucas was just this terrible horrible person. And sure, you could you could make arguments that that 
he made some bad choices with the movies, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with people keeping a narrative inside their head that they would prefer. Yeah. But, but I think there's this, there's this, um, uh, I don't know, desire, maybe unhealthy desire to have that be right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's, that's where, that's where you get these, these toxic fanboys is they couldn't, they couldn't exist with what they liked about star Wars and what George Lucas wanted to put out. They yeah. couldn't like, they, you know, they both had to be there. They couldn't take this bifurcation of things yeah. and, and live with it and live within that. Um, and, and, you know, in the end, that's, that's going to happen. And I guess, you know, what, what maybe you were talking about with, with VHS tapes or even before that was people just had to be okay with the fact that they didn't know all of the lines. Yeah. That like their memory of Casablanca wasn't going to be a hundred percent right. And that didn't make the movie less great. It didn't take anything away. Um, You know, there was almost kind of a, a, more communal aspect to things so well it's it and and this will be my last note to for me uh because we could jump into more deeper areas but i remember there's a part in be kind rewind where mia farrow's character when they're deciding to make the fats waller film um they're like oh but you know he didn't actually he didn't actually live here, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, they're recognizing all the, the loose truth uh, mm-hmm. that Danny Glover's character had been, you know, explaining about the, the, the store itself and whatnot. And Mia Farrow said, yeah, he used to, he used to stay at my, at my house. Like when I was a little kid, blah, blah, blah. And you can see it on her face. Like it's, this is BS, mm-hmm. but she sees the bigger, the bigger truth going on here it's it's not about me it's not about truth in the moment it's about creating this coalescence of this Mm. around something and there's 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 what i like about that scene is that there is both a danger to that but there is also beauty to that and I think yeah. that's the tension that I, I find myself constantly wanting to ride. <laughs> yeah. Is that I don't think it's necessarily bad to rally around quote unquote untruth unless it becomes <laughs> problematic. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I I think untruths you know yeah, this is this is a topic for another <laughs> podcast but yeah you know there are you know there's fiction books are good and those are not true things you know fictions are good sometimes Mm -hmm. and then fictions can also be bad and fictions can be terrible and they can tear countries apart and they can tear communities apart um 
And, you know, I think, think some of it depends on what is trying to be gained from these things mm-hmm. too. Exactly. And, and I think in the end to save a video store, to preserve the memory of a community enjoying, you know, movies together mm-hmm. is probably a good thing worth, yeah. you know, worth creating a narrative over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To preserve, you know, singular power of a presidential figure mm-hmm. is probably a bad thing for a narrative to be created thank, over. Thank God that's never happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely not still happening right now. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. All right. Well, um, I think we have a little business to take care of. Yes, we do. So uh, technically, technically, I think it's uh, Jameson's turn to write. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We're not doing that. Yes, we're not doing that. Jameson will resume eventually, but but we have something special coming up. Yes. So we are going to take a break for a little bit. Not that long, actually. So we've been releasing these every two weeks. Um, and, and that's a pretty doable schedule for us, but, um, we are going to take the rest of September off and then pick back up in spooky season. And we are going to be having an episode a week, kind of, sort of, um, yeah. yeah. Episode a week, pretty, pretty close. I mean, we're going to try our best to do an episode a week. I think uh, during, during October. Yeah. So. So put in your calendars, unless we fail, the first episode of our spooky series is going to be October 3rd. Mm-hmm. And we're going to release, we're going to try our hardest to release one every week until Halloween. And our final episode of the series will be on Halloween. Yeah. Come hell or high water. <laughs> and, so, and so, would you like to explain what we're going to do? Yeah. So uh, a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago at this point, Blake came to me and and he wanted to do this idea where we deep dived and explored um, a certain urban legend. Um, And we hadn't picked one at that point. But um, after some discussion, we kind of landed on the urban legend of Bloody Mary or or rather the Candyman type mm-hmm. of urban legend where you know uh, there's there's this sense of of you calling out to this person and inviting them into your life somehow um because I, I i know for me that was actually one that kind of haunted me as a kid and i i think i think it'll be fun to explore i don't mm-hmm. know if you had similar experiences as a kid blake Oh, but, not not so much, but the the concept terrifies me. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we are going to be watching uh, four movies, and we're going to split these over five episodes. Um, so one of the episodes is probably not actually going to be a movie. Um, it'll be just kind of talking about the historical nature of this urban legend and and deep diving into that 
Um, but we are going to be watching the second and third Candyman movies. So yes. these are the sequels to the original Candyman, not the Candyman that came out last year. Um, Farewell to the Flesh and Day of the Dead. Yeah. So Candyman 2, Farewell to the Flesh. Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. So, um, And then we're also going to be watching Urban Legends, Bloody Mary, which yes. if you're keeping track... That's the third Urban Legends movie. <laughs> um, Which neither of us have seen. No. And I didn't even know until we were decided to do this that it was even a movie. Yeah. And then we're going to cap it off with a movie called We're All Going to the World's Fair, which is a recent film. It actually came out this year. And it's based on a creepy pasta type thing, if you're familiar with that kind of realm of the internet. Um, so it, it, it has a very similar, um, you call out to this thing three times and you invite it in. So um, that one I've actually seen, I kind of sprung it on Blake because I, I thought right. it was very good. So yeah so those are the movies we're going to be watching in the month of october and yeah that is we're... and that is the only movie that 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 either of us has seen jameson has not seen the other three movies i have not seen any of the four so this also will be brand new to all of us <laughs> yeah fair warning the first three i think we're all pretty convinced that these are not good movies so not that that matters to us but But there's some strangely good talent behind them yeah (laughs) but just fair warning to uh we're we're dipping into you know uh b movies i i don't even know um, that third Candyman movie might have been a straight dvd movie it's very possible so uh so just just a fair warning to some of our listeners. Um, mainly Nate. Yeah. <laughs> mainly Nate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nate, you can reach out to me and you can, you can tell me how much you hated these movies if you don't. <laughs> or I'll just give you the Sparks No versions on them. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that's that that is gonna be our Halloween series. We're we're going to we're going to make the episode shorter. Uh we're gonna do our, our damnedest. To make it shorter uh because uh i don't know if you know this jameson but i have a job and i'm pretty sure you have a job yeah and to do a low effort podcast sometimes takes effort and so we really gotta stop that shit yeah we gotta curb so, the effort yeah the effort's just getting too much for us and so we really have to like back it up and and do shorter episodes at least yeah. for this month this coming month so yeah uh we are going to try our best to keep it to about an hour ish um per episode during halloween and then we'll get back to our regular regularly scheduled programming uh and prob- maybe on the halloween episode maybe we'll just tell you on twitter what jameson picked who knows 
maybe we'll just do a little voice uh, episode in Minisode where Jameson announces what he's going to do to me. Yeah. Who knows? So, yeah. We'll, we'll pick back up the regular, um, you know, movie on and off thing back in November. But, yeah, at this point, I don't know what it's going to be. So Yeah. So look forward to that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we hope you all have a good, uh, yeah, good Spooky rest of your September. September. Spooky September. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye.